0: Murder is defined as the unlawful, premeditated killing of one human being by another. However, being charged and convicted of murder isn't always as simple as the definition. With that said, let's talk murder. Guess what, y'all? Welcome, welcome. We're back at it. This is another season of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisan. Not just another edition. We're on a whole new season. And this season of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisan... I'm bringing it on a whole nother level. So let's get into it. For those who may be new to the platform, Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisan is a crime-based podcast that takes an inside look at the crime from the side of the accused. In each episode, we go beyond the headlines and get up close and personal to the story via the words of the individual charged with the crime. On this episode of Let's Talk Murder with Diamond Kisan, we're going to explore the story of Javante Hodges. Listen. Let me tell you one thing about Mr. Hodges. Mr. Hodges got a story to tell, and he was willing to tell it because, baby, the way he got into it. Now, before I get into the words that Mr. Hodges has presented to us, let me give you the back story. So it started off, this is coming from the Cleveland.com website. It was published April twentieth, two 2012, and it reads as follows. A 22-year-old man was arrested Wednesday in Fort Walton, Florida, as a suspect in the March 14th killing of Christopher Johnson on West 98th Street. At 5.15 p.m., the U.S. Marshals Florida Caribbean Regional Fugitive Task Force arrested Javante Hodges on a fugitive warrant issued by the Cuban Police Department for the shooting death of Johnson, a 29-year-old man who was shot in the neck in his car. The shooting occurred minutes after midnight in the 2100 block of West 98th Street. Hodges was identified by Cleveland police as the suspect and he fled the area shortly after the death. He was arrested at the home of a relative and taken to the Okaloosa County Jail where he will await extradition to Ohio. Again, this is from the Cleveland.com website published on April 20th, 2012. Now we're going to leave that. And go over to the cleveland19.com website. Now, I just told you how Mr. Hodges was taken into custody. Now let's go into a little bit of the follow-up after the trial. Again, this is from the cleveland19.com website. And it was published on January the 10th, 2013. And updated January the 11th, 2013. And it reads as follows. Plenty of yelling and crying inside a Cleveland courtroom for the sentencing of three convicted murderers. March 14, 2012, 29-year-old Christopher Johnson was shot in the head while driving and then crashed into a home in the 2100 block of West 98th Street in Cleveland. Deontay Kidd called Christopher Johnson his drug supplier and lured him to West 98th for a buy. Javante Hodges had a beef with, with Johnson for shortchanging him in a previous deal So he bought a gun to West 98 and John Johnson, no relation to the victim, drove a getaway car and ditched bloody clothing Hodges was wearing when he shot Chris Johnson. All three have similar backgrounds to that which Deontay Kidd's lawyer described. Unfortunately, he's really had very little in the way of adult supervision or positive role models to guide him during much of his formative years, said defense attorney David Graham. But that is no excuse for killing someone. And when the time came, Shooter Hodges attempted an explanation. It really was an accident. I had no intentions of hurting anyone, said Javante Hodges. The evidence proved otherwise. Hodges seemed unaffected by passionate statements from Chris Johnson's mother and sister. You stand there with your head down. Yeah, you feel sorry because you're going to jail. You don't know what your life is going to be like then, said Kiana Johnson. You didn't say anything to him, you just shot him. You shot him in the back of the head where he couldn't even have a reaction to it. Dude, are you serious? After Chris Johnson was shot in the head while driving, the car rolled into a house. The judge asked if this really was an accident, why didn't any of them call an ambulance? None of the three sentenced separately had an answer. What they do have now is time to think. Deontay Kidd was sentenced to 11 years in prison. John Johnson received 14 years. The gunman, Javante Hodges, was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Again, this is from the Cleveland19.com website, published January 10, 2013, updated January the 11, 2013. Now, getting it from the headlines, let me take you you to the trial, baby. Let's get into the appeal from April 2nd, 2020. State of Ohio versus Javante L. Hodges. Now, this is the journal entry and opinion judgment affirmed from the criminal appeal from the, listen, y'all, I cannot say this county, but it's Cuyahoga County Court of Common Pleas. Let's get into it. The defendant appellant, Javonte L. Hodges, will now be referred to as Hodges, appeals his guilty plea and asks this court to reverse the, trial's court, the trial court's decision that denied his CRIM R 32.1 motion to withdraw his guilty plea. The motion to withdraw a plea of guilty or no contest may be made only before sentence is imposed, but to correct manifest injustice, the court, after sentence, may set aside the judgment of conviction and permit the defendant to withdraw his or her plea. This is from the Ohio Rules of Criminal Procedure. This is R32.1. The facts and procedural posture. Let's get into it. On May 18, 2012, Hodges was charged in a nine-count indictment and pleaded not guilty at arraignment. When the matter proceeded to a plea hearing, Hodges pleaded guilty to an amended indictment with four counts. Hodges pleaded guilty to a murder with a three-year firearm specification, a first-degree felony in violation, aggravated robbery with a three-year firearm specification, a first-degree felony in violation, improperly handling firearms in a motor vehicle, a fourth-degree felony in violation, and having weapons while under disability, a third-degree felony in violation. Hodges was sentenced to 15 years to life for murder, plus three years for the firearm specification to be served prior to and consecutive to the murder charge. The robbery and improperly handling the firearm in a motor vehicle counts were determined to be allied offenses to count one murder. The trial court also sentenced Hodges to a 24-month consecutive sentence to count for one for having a weapon while under disability. Hodges was sentenced to an aggregate prison term of 20 years to life. Hodges filed an appeal in State v. Hodges 8th District, Cuyahoga. This was in 2013 and he was challenging his consecutive sentence contending that the trial court failed to one Sufficiently inquire into and apply the factors under RC 2929.12 and therefore did not comply with the purposes of felony sentencing set forth under RC 2929.11. Two, merge the murder and having weapons while under disability convictions. And three, make the required findings for the imposition of consecutive sentences. This court stated. we find on this record that the trial court did not comply with the requirements for the imposition of consecutive sentences. Hodges's case was remanded to the trial court for resentencing. After resentencing, Hodges filed another appeal, arguing that the trial court erred by, by sentencing him to serve a consecutive sentence. This was on this was in State v. Hodges. It was number one zero one one four five in twenty filed in twenty fourteen. In Hodges II, this court determined that the trial court made the necessary consecutive sentencing findings, but failed to incorporate those findings into its journal entry. Additionally, this court found that om- omitting the consecutive sentencing findings in the trial court's journal entry does not render the sentence contrary to law. This court remanded the matter to the trial court to correct the clerical error through a Nuns Pro-Tunk Entry. On March 9, 2016, Hodges filed a motion to withdraw his guilty plea pursuant to criminals, Criminal of rule, um, Rules of Criminal Procedure 32.1. Hodges alleged that at the time of sentencing, he was heavily under the influence of mind-altering drugs, and his attorney promised him a plea to involuntary manslaughter just as his co-defendant received and that his counsel did not adequately investigate his case. Soon thereafter, Hodges filed a supplemental motion to withdraw his guilty plea. The trial court denied both motions, and Hodges appealed in State v. Hodges 2017. This is now Hodges III. After a review of the record in Hodges III, this court stated, Based on the record before us, we cannot say that the trial court abused its discretion in denying Hodges' motion to withdraw his guilty plea. The trial court's denial of Hodges' motion to withdraw his guilty plea was affirmed. On April 9, 2019, Hodges filed another motion to withdraw his guilty plea, alleging that his sentence is void and contrary to law because the trial court omitted statutory language when imposing his sentence. The trial court denied Hodges' motion on May 31, 2019. From the trial court's denial, Hodges filed this appeal, Assigning one error for our review, the trial court abused its discretion when it denied appellant's criminal rules of procedure 32.1 motion to withdraw guilty plea when the trial court failed to inform the appellant of the maximum penalty involved. Let's talk about the criminal rules of criminal 32.1. Hodges argues that the trial court erred when it denied his criminal rules 32.1 motion. Criminal Rule 32.1 provides that a motion to withdraw a plea of guilty may be made only before the sentence is imposed, but to correct manifest injustice, the court after sentence may set aside the judgment of conviction and permit the defendant to withdraw his or her plea. Criminal Rule 32.1 A manifest injustice is an extraordinary flaw and an extremely high standard to overcome. Hodges must base the manifest injustice on specific facts are an affidavit, State v. Godwin, 8th District of Cuyahoga, 2016. Hodges has failed to do so. Criminal Rule 11, Compliance. Hodges argues that his sentence is contrary to law because the trial court did not fully comply with the Criminal Rules 11, Section C-2A, which states, In felony cases, the court may refuse to accept a plea of guilty, and shall not accept a plea of guilty without first addressing the defendant personally, and determining the defendant is making the plea voluntarily with understanding of the nature of the charges and of the maximum penalty involved. Hodges contends that the trial court did not advise him correctly about the maximum penalty of his sentence because the trial court did not use the exact language of R.C. 2929.02 which states that a person who is convicted of murder in violation of RC 2903.2a shall be sentenced to an indefinite term of 15 years to life. Hodges argues that the trial court instead sentenced him to 15 years to life, leaving out the indefinite term language required by statute. This court recently addressed this issue and stated, A prison term of 15 years to life for murder is by its nature indefinite because it is a prison range defined by minimum and maximum terms based on State D. Smith, 2019, Ohio. Referring to a minimum or maximum term of imprisonment makes sense only when speaking of an indefinite sentence. And because the indefinite nature of the 15 year to life prison term is apparent, since the term is not a specific number of years, the omission of the term indefinite does not alter the sentence, state B. Wolf. Therefore, because the omission of the term indefinite is, inconse- is inconsequential to the nature of the indefinite sentence of 15 years to life, the defendant's sentence comports with the statutory language set forth in R.C. 2929.2, Section B and is authorized by law. Therefore, we find that Hodges' plea is not invalid because his sentence is not void or contrary to law. Upon this determination, Hodges is barred by res judicata from raising this issue. Res judicata is applicable to all post-conviction proceedings. Under this doctrine, a defendant who is represented by counsel is barred from raising an issue in a petition for post-conviction relief if the defendant raised or could have raised the issue at trial or on direct appeal at syllabus. Hodges never argued this issue on direct appeal or on any of his subsequent appeals in Hodges 2. Sorry, other appeals. In Hodges 2, Hodges raised the issue of consecutive sentence. In Hodges III, this court decided that the trial court did not abuse its discretion in denying Hodges' motion to withdraw his guilty pleas on three different issues. Reg Judicata bars a defendant who has already had his day in court from seeking a second on that same issue. It promotes the principles of finality in judicial economy by preventing endless re-litigation of an issue on which a defendant has already received a full and fair opportunity to be heard. Therefore, this as sole assignment of error is overruled. Judgment is affirmed. It is ordered that the appellee recover from appellant cost hearing tax. The court finds that there were reasonable grounds for this appeal. It is ordered that a special mandate issue out of this court Directing the Common Pleas Court to carry this judgment into execution. Woo! They be talk about it. State of Ohio versus Javante L. Hodges. This is from the April 2020 filing. Woo! And with all that said, I gave you the headlines. I've given you the case text of what the court has affirmed based on the appeals. That Mr. Hodges has filed. Now, let's get into what Mr. Hodges has to say for us. You know what time it is. Let's talk murder. Let's get into what Mr. Hodges had to say. I'm going to give it to you just like he gave it to me. Peace and blessings to you, DK. First, I want to say that I greatly appreciate you for reaching out to me. And putting forth so much effort into the words that you decide to articulate and place before me. I respect what you're into and what you're trying to do, and I would love nothing more than to speak my truth and paint the picture of what it really was and not what the judge, prosecution, media, and news portrayed me to be. See, I know that the system that's been created has never been about justice or the closure for one's family, but for money. We're the only country who has a major funding of mass incarceration alone, so it's literally slavery in a greater form, being a thousand times more profitable. And when we're placed in these prisons, I'm not going to say everyone, but a vast majority treat us like crap. It's meant to break you and bend you and make you or try to make you accept whatever perception of you that they want to create, and being less than nothing is one of them. You have no voice or opinion. You're looked down on, frowned upon, and placed in a category, collectively and not as an individual. No matter how hard you work on yourself to be a better person, you have to constantly be reminded of whatever bad choice and decisions you've made, even if it's 10, 20, 30, or 40 years later. Shaking my head. You're provoked and disrespected, lied on, and you're guilty whether you did it or not, depending on what it is. A person is far more than the crime they, they are convicted of indeed. And God willing, I hope and pray that my story, and my truth, as well as my growth and development, inspires many and opens people's eyes to the fact that people can grow and people can change and to look more in depth into the people they judge and cast out and write off. As if God didn't create us all making no man or woman greater than the net, but as equal. We all could be kings and queens, but we have either settled to the things we were conditioned to, the lack of knowledge, the lack of application, broken homes, wrong role models, influences, and false perceptions of love and loyalty. There's a reason why the story is never told by the accuser. Our voice and opinion doesn't even matter even when it's our life and story being told. The truth doesn't matter to people when it comes to crimes and mistakes or bad decisions that's been made. That would be too much like writing. The person I was then, I've always been loving and caring and full of life. I've always had a great sense of humor. I made people laugh when times were hard for sure. But I had to take care of my family by any means, by any and all means. I never went out of my way to bother or do things to anyone. All I did was take care of my son, his mom, my mother, and my brothers and sisters. But in my past mindset, I was conditioned to think I had to hustle into the streets to provide, just like any other young boy or man growing up in the ghettos. Being exposed to things at a young age creating a different norm than the average young teen or adult. Usually, my days were cool. I played to enjoy myself, have fun, and get some money. I played basketball a lot. I've always been good at that. I still am. I'm just not a little fella anymore. I smoked marijuana a lot, but marijuana ain't never killed no one. Alcohol and cigarettes are legal, and they both cause m- more death, than marijuana, and that's a fact. I wasn't working, though, and I was trying to finish school by getting my GED, basically taking a shortcut because I've always been book smart, shaking my head. What did I have planned for that day? I just wanted to chill and enjoy myself. It was a beautiful day for real. I woke up and heading to the neighborhood and played basketball all day until right before the sun was starting to go down. After I played ball, I went and smoked with some of my partners. I then went to the store and met this girl I had been eyeing for quite some time. She was sad, and I made her smile. Then we walked to the store and bought a few items. I think I bought a corned beef sandwich, a juice, a pickle, and chips. And I bought her and my friends some things. We walked back to my boys' crib, and and I gave them what I bought for them. And then me and her walked off. As me and her kicked it for a minute, my phone rang. And it was the victim. I had been waiting on his call so I could see him again. So I parted ways with the pretty lady. He told me he was coming through. So I'm like, that. I was looking forward to seeing him to get, to get right. And hopefully he straightened his hands from the dealings prior to this one. Because I don't know what he had going on. He ended up coming a little later. It was dark as hell for real. And he he had his boys with him. And I had mine. Because I was bringing him some more money from me and my partner. As we drive off, I'm talking to him. Small talk. Like, what up, bruh? This and that. And I let him know, bro, with me was trying to holler at him. He had some as well then i asked him about you know what's up with the last thing we had going on he got to hollering and talking crazy and it threw me off like he mad i even asked about him burning me i'm like chill it ain't even that deep bro he like so what you gonna do i said i'm shopping with you he said right now i'm like yeah so he tries Again, he tries to give me the exact same thing from last time. Hence, why we were in this situation exchanging these words. Shaking my head. During this, I received a call from Bro about linking up. cuz He had some chicks for the night for us, and I told Bro like that. I hung up. I asked him if he had something different. It seems like this is the same as last time. He gets to talking crazy again, like I offended him. So, I'm like, chill. Now, mind you, we're still driving down the street in the hood. So, I'm trying to get the money out my pockets, but my pants was not tight, but tight. And I had my hammer in my sleeve because of that reason. So, when I'm trying to adjust it and move it off the way, it goes off. It hit him in the lower part of his neck. His foot hits the gas even harder, and he speeds up. And we're flying down the street and heading right into a house. I was scared. Petrified. Braced bro for the crash and ducked down in between the seats of the truck. And the SUV smacked out. His friends ran first. Then bro. Then I climbed out after. But not before I looked into his eyes. I wanted to help. I wish I could have helped. But he was already gone. So I ran like everybody else. I'd never seen a dead person before. All I could think of is I might go to jail for a long time for this. It's the body shaking my head. What about my son? What about my brothers and sister, nieces and nephews, my mama, my grandma? I can't go to jail, so I kept running. While on the run, I found out that the victim was the brother of someone I was close to, and I was hurt by that, like, damn. That was Bro's brother. Now we can never be cool again. And we grew up together. And I never met him before, so I didn't know. I wanted to go to trial because I didn't do it purposely. And I wanted everyone to know that in considering the car was in drive, it was common sense that that's why I shot a man in a moving vehicle. But no one ever thought about that. They kept trying to paint the picture of a robbery going bad. My attorney kept trying to convince me not to go to trial that my co-defendants will roll over on me after I had seen them multiple times in the bullpen and visits. And I told them I forgave them and I would make it right. I'm not going to allow anyone to go down for something that I did after before I was pissed blaming them for something that happened because of me. But I wanted to go to trial. And I only took a plea because my attorney told me I would get 15 years and i watched the first 48, you'll see the end, says 15 years. But I got 20 to life instead, so they tricked me, shaking my head. Yes, I hired an attorney, and no, he didn't do his best to represent me. I feel like he sold me out because he kept asking me if it was an accident, and I told him, yeah. But it was like he wasn't trying to hear it, ignoring me once again. Why would I shoot a man in a moving vehicle with me in it? If I was mad, I was mad enough to kill myself as well, I do not feel like he had my best interest at heart. And he didn't defend me at all, shaking my head. In the courtroom, he stated on the record that he advised me of this and that during visits and that I'm not denying this or that, but I never said that I wanted to go home or claimed innocence. If I could say anything to the general population of the world and to the victim's family and loved ones, I I would first want to say that I sincerely apologize for what I did. No matter if it was an accident or not, I wish I could take it back, but I can't. But I would like to make amends to everyone that I caused hurt and pain to on both sides his family and mine, especially the children. The little girl who lost her father and my son whose father was taken away from him due to the heavily influenced mindsets of those who participated in a dead culture. We were tricked and conditioned to think and feel like it's only one way to live when that couldn't be further from the truth, shaking my head. But God is good and he truly opened my eyes to what I chose not to see. Because I was blinded by ignorance and trickery and influence. False perceptions of love and loyalty. And I realized that we can love to a fault and be loyal to a fault. We have to wake up. How has life been since being incarcerated? I grew up. I'm no longer influenced. I've educated myself. I finished school. I got certified in Core Landscaping and Garden Center. And I'm currently in college from my... Business Management Associate's degree. I strive to be the best version of myself, and I go out of my way to show people that change isn't a bad thing. And no, we don't have to be gangsters and thugs, and selling drugs isn't the only way to live, and it isn't the only source of income. Anything is possible, and if God can forgive, so can we. And everyone deserves a second chance when they work for it. And I know for a fact that I'm worth more free than incarcerated. The question is, does the world feel I deserve that chance? I'm a better person, a better man in general. But don't take my word for it. Ask about me. From those that know me in here and out there. How's my family taking it? They miss me. But they're proud of the man I've become and who I strive to be. I'm on the straight path. For sure and ain't no going back my dream and vision is to create a foundation for our youth and misguided teens and young adults and let them know there's someone that really cares and never fails to create a vision for yourself and live out your dreams and that's my truth i hope it helps sincerely javante Who i told y'all this episode was gonna be an episode javante did not hold back he laid it down. You hear me? It down. He laid it down. Put it down. So listen. You know we're going to talk about it. You know. I got some questions. I got some statements. I got some revelations, actualizations, and some demonstrations. Now, but for real, let's get into my takeaway from this. All right, everybody. Right, so listen. So listen. Now, you know, usually, you all know I'm going to. Take it to the text, and I'm gonna do some things for you. You know, all this, all this, all right, right now. Listen, we have a few factors mens rea and actus reus. Mens rea is intent, actus reus is the guilty act. When it comes to Mr. Hodges, I don't see no intent, y'all. Now, no shade, right? So, well, let's be clear. Mr. Hodges admits that he was meeting up with the victim in order to do a transaction. He understands that the victim had burnt him with the, with the previous transaction, but he's willing to have a conversation like, hey, bruh, that product was bad. Like, can you make wrong right and let's continue to, to do business? Based on that, I mean, it's, now listen, it's the code of the streets, right? If someone burns you, you give them the opportunity to make wrong right and go from there. The is in this car having this conversation. conversation isn't going as planned but i don't see we going from let's talk about it to let's commit murder right so when it comes to the mens rea the intent uh, i I don't see it y'all can chime in let me know what y'all think but i don't have no intent actus reus which is the guilty act you okay we get it. the shooting in itself is the guilty act now murder is the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another now baby i don't I'm sorry, I don't think Mr. Hodges got into this vehicle with the intent, with the premeditated, planned thought to kill the victim. I do not see that. So, for me, murder? Hmm, I don't know. Now, voluntary manslaughter, which you know is a form of homicide that occurs without premeditation, deliberation, or malice afterthought. Because the killing is adequately provoked as a matter of law, the criminal charges are reduced from murder to manslaughter. Voluntary manslaughter is a form of homicide that, can, that occurs without premeditation. So, when you say it was manslaughter, voluntary manslaughter, I can see, right? A form of homicide that occurs without premeditation. I think we can agree. The killing is a homicide. We understand that. There's no arguments there. We get it, right? We, we understand homicide is the killing of one person by another. No argument. That's what we have here that happened. I don't think it was premeditated, so I don't feel it was murder. I felt it occurred without premeditation, which would make it voluntary manslaughter. Now, as we go to trial, now keep in mind, Mr. Hodges was not the only individual charged. In this incident, there are two other individuals. Some people's charges got dropped. You know, it was a, it was a whole lot of um. Now, listen, I, I wasn't there, so I ain't gonna sit up here like I was there, y'all. No, I wasn't there, right? However, I think we can infer, based on what we've been told, that there was some finger pointing, and Mr. Hodges was accepting, like, listen, I ain't gonna let y'all go down for what I did. And it's what it is. I did what I did. It happened how it happened. However, Mr. Hodges has made it clear. Let's not paint a picture that isn't true, right? You're not going to put murder on him because it was not premeditated. We ain't going to do that. We're going to have this conversation. We're going to have the conversation based on the facts. And based on what Mr. Hodges just told us, it doesn't sound like there were a lot of facts presented. It sounds like there was a whole lot of who said what, who said what and what it, it appears to be. Now based on that we know that the burden of proof falls on the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. A reasonable doubt exists when a fact finder cannot say with moral certainty that a person is guilty or a particular fact exists. Meaning when the state's attorney presented the facts do you all think the jury was like mm, Mr. Hodges did it he premeditated it and he did it on purpose. I don't, I don't know. Based on what he just told me, he got in a car with the intent to make another purchase. Now, listen, if I got an intent to make a purchase, I ain't, I can't have an intent to kill and purchase. Like, that, that's an oxymoron to a certain degree. Now, if you want to take it to the streets, let's take it to the streets, right? I'm getting in the car to purchase. I want to talk to you about the previous buy because it was bad. And when, when <laughs> listen, don't ask me how I know so much, but I know people, right? When a bad batch gets sold, the person who buys that bad batch is not able to make the amount of money they could have made off the batch had the batch been good. Hello, somebody, right? So this bad batch has now affected my money. However, I'm still coming back to buy from you again. So based on the fact that I'm coming back to buy from you again, there's some level of trust. I trust you enough to say, you know what? That was a bad batch. They don't usually do me like this. Let me go get me, you know, let me go give me a little bit more product to recoup my money. Had this conversation. Maybe bro will throw a little couple extra because you know he going, you know he going to say where I'm coming from. So, reasonable doubt. There could have been, the attorney could have poked some reasonable doubt in there because, again, the intent was to buy. And not even to mention, not just Mr. Hodges is buying. He brought his brody with him who wanted to buy some too. So here we got two sales about to go down. So you mean to tell me, based on what I'm to understand, based on this case text and this sentence, that Mr. Hodges allegedly this this is the picture that's gonna be painted, got into this car with the intent to with this premeditated murder in mind, but bought his homeboy to make a purchase, and he had his money to make that. Uh, listen, y'all, I I... uh. uh I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't. Now, what I do think, I think Mr. Hodges was guilty before being found guilty because he ran. You no, know, I think we as people, I think we can say something. I won't admit it, but I mean, I mean, let's, let's be real. You know, when Let's Talk Money with Donkey Song, we talk murder and we talk it real. I think people tend to think that someone is guilty when they run. But they don't leave room for the understanding that sometimes people run because they're scared. Mr. Hodges was a young black man from the hood who had just seen a dead body. His first, according to his own statement. He had never seen a dead body before. And he looked the victim in his eyes. I don't know about you, but baby, I cannot fathom the level of confusion disorientation, and disbelief that Mr. Hard just began to go through at that moment. We were just having a conversation. I was coming to make a purchase. Now this shooting has taken place. This accident has taken place. This truck then ran into a house. Your boys then ran. My boys then ran. And I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here, and as I get out, I'm looking you in your eyes. Something in my soul lane right. Like, yo, I, oh, my gosh. I can't say what I would do or what I think one should do. I don't know. I just know that ain't easy. That cannot be easy. And anybody who thinks it is, baby, we need to have a conversation concerning, right, right? So Mr. Hodges, according to what he said, you all, the attorney told him, He would get a reduction of charges and get the 15 years. Now listen, I don't know. We kind of got a double-edged sword. He got 15 years, but he got 15 to life. And 15 to life means 15 to indefinite. You feel me? It ain't just 15 to 20. It's 15 to life, which means he could be incarcerated for the rest of his natural-born life. Is that a plea deal? How do you view it? The number 15 is there. But there was this, there was a whole lot of con- concurrent additions broken down. Do y'all remember that portion? Do you remember that portion, right? So it wasn't just 15 to life and life went on. It was a whole lot of, whole lot of, right? Hodges was sentenced to 15 years to life for murder. Plus three years for the firearm specification to be served prior to and consecutive to the murder charge. Fifteen and three is eighteen. So now we are eighteen. The robbery and improperly handling handling the firearm and the motor vehicle counts were determined to be allied offenses to count one murder. So they got included in that fifteen. Then the trial court also sentenced Hodges to a twenty four month consecutive sentence to count one for having a weapon while under disability. Now, child, at this point in time, I'm at about 18 years. Like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm what? What the hell? Listen. Listen. I don't understand. Now, someone, um, we were talking amongst the team, and they was like, what's this having a weapon while under disability? Well, let's talk about it. According to Ohio laws and in administrative rules, Section 2923.13, Having Weapons While Under Disability. Unless relieved from disability under operation of legal or legal process, no person shall knowingly acquire, have, carry, or use any firearm or dangerous ordinance, if any of the following apply. The person is a fugitive from justice. The person is under indictment for or has been convicted of any felony offense or violence or has been adjudicated A delinquent child for the commission of an offense that if if committed by an adult would have been a felony offense of violence. The person is under indictment for or has been convicted of any felony offense involving the illegal possession, use, sale, administration, or or distribution or trafficking in any drug of abuse or has been adjudicated as a delinquent. The person is drug dependent. The person is under adjudication for mental incompetence. That's what it means. So, having a weapon while under disability is not referring to a physical disability per se. It's per, it's referring to some classifications of a disability status based on convictions, adjudications, charges, mindset, etc. So again, I just wanted to throw that in here because I know it was a question. So back to this 15 of life. Well, 15 at this point in time is 20. And then we got the to life. Hodges was sentenced to an aggregate prison term of 20 years to life. Hodges was sentenced to an aggregate prison term of 20 years to life. Aggregate. A whole formed by combining several. Baby, stop playing with me. So now, based on what Mr. Hodges just told me... Some, hello, somebody. He was told he would get a plea of 15. Then he gets sentenced to 15 to life. Then we end up with an aggregate calculation of 20 to life. Baby, stop playing with me. Stop. Now listen. And now, now, I ain't gonna lie to y'all, right? I wasn't like this trigonometry cal- um, pre-calculus, calculus expert. But I could count 15 to 20, right? And then, this indefinite. This is, this is hitting differently, you all. This is hitting differently. This is where we get to the gray area of judicial process when it comes to courts having the discretion. Courts having the discretion when it comes to sentencing. Now, I get it. I don't know what the attorney told Mr. Hodges. I was not there. I don't know what the state attorney told Mr. Hodges' attorney. I don't know. What I do know as Mr. Hodges has an aggregate of 20 to life. What I do know is that the number was originally 15 years, supposedly. Then we've seen 15 to life in writing. Now we got an aggregate of 20. Based on what? Based on what? Do y'all think it was proved beyond a reasonable doubt that Mr. Hodges did this to this degree? Was it premeditated? Y'all know I said I think no. I still think No. I do not think it was premeditated. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm there. I'm there. I don't think it was premeditated. Can't... It, I'm sorry, y'all. I just... Premeditation? I don't see it. Not for the conversation we were going to do. No. So let's... I went to the journal entry. I answered. <laughs> you all know. If we're going to talk, we're going to talk, right? So in 12 22, 2014 we have this journal entry per remand. Defendant in court, Counsel Kevin McFaul present. Court reporter present. On a former day of court, the defendant pled guilty to murder with firearm specification three years as amended in court, in, I'm sorry, in counts one of the indictment. On a former day in court, the defendant pled guilty to aggravated robbery with firearm specification three years, as amended in count three of the indictment. On a former day in court, the defendant pled guilty to improperly handling firearm in a motor vehicle. Mm-mm-mm. As charged in count five of the indictment. On a former day in court, the defendant pled guilty of having weapons while under disability. As charged in count six of the indictment. <sighs> what? Counts two and four were nulled, so that's where we talk about the charges getting dropped down. The defendant addressed the court. The court considered all required factors of the law. The court finds that prison is consistent with the purpose of RC 2929.11. There we go again with 2929.11, y'all. The court imposes a prison sentence at the correctional institution of 20 years to life. Count one, three years on the gun specification to run prior to and consecutive to 15 years to life on base charge for a total of 18 years to life. Count three, allied defense to count one. Count five, allied defense to count one. Count six, 24 months. That's two years. 18 plus 24 months is 20 years. Mr. Hodges got 20 years to life. This calculation, this aggregate breakdown told it to us. I need to know. Listen, y'all. Again, I'm telling y'all. I'm not... I'm not, trying to, I'm, not trying to lie. I'm not trying to act like I'm no math magician, but good Lord. 15 ain't 20. And 20 to life ain't even 20. 20 to life is 20 to life. It's indefinite. The word indefinite is our word of the day. Because Mr. Hodges went to the court and appealed based on the indefinite not being stated on record. They said no, but it's okay, I get it. They said no, however, indefinite was not mentioned. So you all, let's have a conversation. I'm going to hit you with three questions. Do you see intent? AKA, mens rea? Do you? Based on what I've read to you from the headlines and from the case text and what Mr. Hodges himself provided to us, which of you do you see intent? I think we can agree. We understand that there is a guilty act that took place. We won't argue that. Murder or voluntary manslaughter. That's question two. Murder or voluntary manslaughter. And then, for number three, you all. I'm going to just ask you. Fifteen became twenty? Interesting. Fifteen became twenty. Dot, 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 do you feel Mr. Hodges received fair sentencing when it came to the calculatory breakdown based on the interpretation he was led to infer during his trial process? Now again, we wasn't there, so we can only go by what Mr. Hodges told us. And he kept it real keep it real. He did that. He, he was there. He went there. I want to know what you all think. I need to know what you all think. You all know that I value our conversations. So do me this. Fa- Make sure you tap in on social media. Let me know what you think. On Twitter. At Let's Talk Murder. Instagram and Facebook. L-T-M-W-D-K. Again, that's on Twitter at Let's Talk Murder. Instagram and Facebook, LTMWDK. I'm Diamond Kisan, and we've just talked murder. Until next time, stay safe and never be afraid to talk murder. This is a Diamond Kisan production.